Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 2, 11 through 13, called Weep with Those Who Weep. You know, there's more forms of nonverbal communication than there are verbal communication. So sometimes your kids are fighting and you say, say sorry to your brother. And they go, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Well, I said it. Yeah, you said it with attitude. Sorry. Right? You might as well not have even said it. So this word console doesn't always mean words. It's shared grief. Sometimes we just need someone to agree with us and shake their head with us. Sometimes we just need someone to be compassionate and to cry with us and console us. And maybe the best thing they could do is just cry with us. Maybe there's no words. Maybe it's something like this. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. I put that in my notes for my own. I've been in ministry for several decades now. I don't always know the best approach when people are going through stuff, but I've entered into a lot of people's pain being in the ministry. Been called out to situations that were very difficult. Loved one just passes away. And I didn't always know what to say, and so I was just praying And sometimes all I could say is, I am so sorry. And I didn't try to qualify it. I didn't try to quote a Bible verse. I didn't try to, you know, pick the perfect verse and chapter that I could share with them in that moment. Sometimes I just said, I am so sorry. My heart breaks for you. And that's okay. You don't have to have perfect words. What is comfort? We, we did console or sympathize, shaking the head with somebody. What is comfort? Well, how do you impart it? The Hebrew word for comfort is nakam. To comfort involves speaking to the mind and heart of the sufferer in such a way as to change his or her mind and heart. It is an attempt, says this author, to ease the deepest pain caused by tragedy. Where the first example may be more potentially nonverbal. Comfort seems to be more verbal. It's to bring a word of comfort in due season. And here's where we need great wisdom, right? Because how do we comfort someone in the right way so that it actually brings comfort and not discomfort to their life? In Genesis 50, 21, when uh, Joseph said to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God intended for good to save many people alive and to bring about this current result. He goes on. He says, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So the Bible says, Genesis fifty twenty one. he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I want you to hold your place in the book of Job and turn to Isaiah. It's a little bit to your right. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. This is a great chapter that introduces God comparing himself to the false gods of the nations to which Israel often looked and found no comfort. 
This is Isaiah 40. I just want to read verses 1 through 3, where God says to the uh, people through the prophet, O comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare has ended, Isaiah 40, verse 2, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. How do you comfort someone? A voice is calling, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth the desert, in the desert a highway for our God. That is quoted about the coming Messiah by the one who would prepare the way, John the Baptist. Make smooth in the desert the highway for our God. See, after God says, comfort my people, we get a prophecy about the entrance of the Messiah into the darkness of Israel's pain. See, the, only, the, the best thing that I can do is point people to the ultimate comforter. I can be a source of comfort, but I want to comfort others with the comfort with which I've been comforted by God. So write down for your notes, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5, where we have God described as the God of all comfort. Here's what it says in 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This morning I was at a prayer breakfast for pastors to, uh, back to the book of Job, to try to encourage pastors. And pastors go through seasons where it's very difficult and the ministry can be hard. And a lot of the speakers were saying, don't give up, hang in there. Sometimes we just need someone to tell us we can make it that God is good. Maybe you could say to somebody, and we, we can't possibly have been through everything that everybody's been through, but maybe you could hear of somebody's adversity and say to somebody, look, I was over there, and I ended up over here, and I'm still walking with the Lord because he comforted me. And it wasn't perfect, and it was messy, and I had lapses of faith, and I had difficulty and struggle, but God has seen me through, and you can make it too. Hold on, and I'm going to hold on to you. This is how we can enter into other people's grief and hurt and encourage them. The ultimate comfort I can give to someone is to lead them to the comforter, the God who comforts us. That's who they need. And if I walk in filled by the Holy Spirit, then I can bring him into that situation and point that person to God. I can't be the answer to people's problems, but I can show them the one who is the answer. And these three friends, verse 12, when they lifted up their eyes back in Job 2, they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him or Job. They raised their voices and wept. Each of them tore his robe and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. There are people in my life that I know their gait, I know how they walk, I know how they, their posture. And if I saw them from a distance, I would know it's them. But Job has gone through such calamity and such personal pain and even disfiguration by what's happened to him 
that when the three friends finally arrive into town and they get a glimpse at Job, it's one thing to hear about somebody's problems. It's one thing to hear about a disastrous calamity, maybe, you know, a natural disaster. But when you're there, boots on the ground, and you see the disaster, it's quite another thing. Amen? And they walked, uh, and they, they saw Job, and they just, he looked like a different man. You could put it this way. They, they could hardly believe their eyes as to what had happened to this great man. They had remembered him from previous visits when they all got together and talked about what God was doing in their life and how he had blessed them. And maybe they talked business and family. And now this greatest man of the East has been brought to a point where he is just a pitiful sight. And life can do that. In Isaiah 52, when there's a prophecy about the Messiah, it says, just as many, 52, 14 of Isaiah, were astonished. This is uh, a Hebrew word, v'sabam. It's, they were appalled, shocked, shattered at you, my people. It says of the Messiah, I believe on the cross, his appearance was marred. He was so disfigured more than any man. And his form, the form of the Messiah, more than the sons of man. The language here indicates that the Messiah's marring and disfigurement from the whip and the crucifixion so impacted his form that he was marred beyond human likeness. That's the NIV. And in the book of Job, there are little glimpses of the greater Job or the gospel of Jesus the ultimate righteous one who was hated without a cause and suffered though he was innocent. And when they saw him, all they could do was cry. They tore their robes. That's a sign of grief and despair. It's like I'm torn up inside, so I got to show it by an outward sign. And they would tear their robes and they threw dust in into the air so that it would fall on their heads and dust becomes a sign of Genesis 3 back to the dust you will go from the dust I made you to the dust you will return and they threw the dust in the air and the picture that commentators paint here is that Job is really in the dust of death not only has he lost all of his children but he looks like he is at the very gate of death itself They threw dust over their heads to the sky. One writer says they're identifying themselves with the grief over Job's dead children, probably also with Job himself, who has been grasped by death and is already being dragged down to the realm of the dead, or so it seems. Job is to them like a friend being sucked down by quicksand in the desert. They long to draw him up, but he is beyond their reach. He is as good as dead. Close quote. And so they sat down on the ground with him. They entered into his pain. And for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word, would you note this? To him. For they saw that his pain was very great. great. Now, they didn't say for seven days and seven nights, they didn't say a word to him. But is it possible that they went off and talked by themselves? Is it possible that they had interchanges with themselves, but they didn't speak directly to Job, probably because nobody knew what to say to him? How do you break the ice there? So, uh, 
How's it going? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And dust becomes a sign of Genesis 3. Back to the dust you will go. From the dust I made you, to the dust you will return. And they threw the dust in the air. And the picture that commentators paint here is that Job is really in the dust of death. Not only has he lost all of his children, but he looks like he is at the very gate of death itself. They threw dust over their heads to the sky. One writer says they're identifying themselves with the grief over Job's dead children, probably also with Job himself, who has been grasped by death and is already being dragged down to the realm of the dead, or so it seems. Job is to them like a friend being sucked down by quicksand in the desert. They long to draw him up, but he is beyond their reach. He is as good as dead, close quote. And so they sat down on the ground with him. They entered into his pain. And for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word, would you note this? To him, for they saw that his pain was very great. great. Now, they didn't say, for seven days and seven nights, they didn't say a word to him. But is it possible that they went off and talked by themselves? Is it possible that they had interchanges with themselves, but they didn't speak directly to Job, probably because nobody knew what to say to him? How do you break the ice there? So, uh, how's it going? No, that's the wrong icebreaker. Now, maybe that would have been a time to just say, Job, I am so sorry. Now, let me ask you, think about this with me. It's one thing to not say anything for seven minutes. How about 70 minutes? How about seven hours? Now, some of you say, that's me when I sleep. I don't talk for seven hours. Okay. (laughs) But we know when you're awake. Most of you cannot be silent for seven hours. 
How many of you could be completely silent for seven days and seven nights? Some of you are saying, it's my dream. I've prayed about this, that others around me would be quiet for seven days and seven nights or 40 days and 40 nights. I don't care. Either one would do. But look, after a day goes by and two days go by, doesn't it move from maybe being sensitive to a bit weird and even eerie? I mean, at some point, if I'm Job, I appreciate it. Okay, you guys are going to be quiet for a little while. Cool, understandable, okay. But at some point, if a couple days gone by and nobody's talking to me, I'm going to be like, somebody say something. And in Job chapter 3, Job is actually going to break the ice himself. And that's for next time. But why did they not say anything to him? Have you ever felt like the odd man out? <laughs> You're like, do I have something on my face that somebody needs to tell me about? Nobody's talking to me. Nobody wants to look at me. Yeah, Job, you got boils from the bottom of your feet to the crown of your head. They just were at a loss. Well, I think we all can relate to this. Lamentations 2, 10, and 11 says, The elders of the daughters of Zion sit on the ground. They are silent. They have thrown dust on their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem have bowed their heads to the ground. My eyes fail because of tears. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. When little ones and infants faint in the streets of the city. Lamentations 2, 10, and 11. Job's suffering was deep. He was grieved physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And they couldn't talk to him. They didn't know what to say to him. Job would say in Job 16.1, I have heard many such things. Sorry comforters are you all. Thomas Wolfe says, The most tragic, sublime, and beautiful expression of loneliness which I have ever read is in the book of Job. He's the loneliest man I've ever read about. Even with his friends right there, he's the loneliest man I've ever read about. How could anybody say that they related to what he was going through? Now, from the end of Job 2, I'd like to take you to another that I've been reminding you about, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus entered into our pain. One of the things that I like to tell people of why I'm a Christian is simply this. The Bible tells the account of a God who made me in his image. I sinned against him. I was his enemy. And he became one of us. He became human to enter into my pain. Jesus Christ carried my sorrows and griefs to the cross at Calvary, and he bore them there. My sorrow, my shame, my pain, my griefs, the things that maybe nobody else could understand, he understands because he carried them at the cross of Calvary. He bore my burdens there because he loves me. He entered into my pain. He bore my sorrows. He tasted death for each one of us. 
And now we have a high priest in heaven, Jesus Christ, our great advocate, whoever lives to intercede for us, and we can come boldly to a throne of what? Grace, that we might receive mercy and help in time of need. And there is no time in your life that you will ever come to the great high priest and he'll say, oh, I don't get it. I don't understand. No, he understands. He understands what it means to be betrayed and to be falsely accused and to be hated without a cause and to be innocent and to be treated as though he were guilty of the worst charge and to have the wrath of God Almighty poured out on him at the cross and to drink that cup for you and for me. And he says, when you are hurting, when you are tempted, you come to me. And I will empathize and sympathize, and I will pour out stabilizing grace into your life. Because that's what I do. Come to my throne of grace, and you'll find mercy and help in what? In time of need. Our God is so good. And the book of Job does give us shadows of Jesus who is coming to bear our pain, our shame at the cross, and then to resurrect from the dust of death and show us that there is triumph even in the worst of situations. Father, thank you for the precious people of living truth. Thank you for our guests who have come tonight to worship you, to hear your word, to learn, to desire to become more like you. There are so many times that I can think of in the New Testament when you entered into people's pain. You entered into a room of a little girl who had died and you brought her back to life. You touched lepers who had probably not been touched in years and you healed them. You said, I am willing, be clean. You allowed a woman to touch your robe who had been suffering for 12 years, no answers, out of money, And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. We can think of people who just desired to cry on your feet and wipe their tears with their hair, pour costly perfume on your head because they had a sense of the holy. They had a sense that someone greater, the greatest of all, had come into our pain. Those who sat in darkness saw a great light. And thank you that that light is in the life of every person who's a Christian tonight, no matter what they face, no matter what difficulties or sorrows come their way. And Lord, we can also be instruments for you to help other people with those times of pain. You've been listening to Weep with Those Who Weep, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job Chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, how are you doing? Are you in need of some counsel or advice? If you simply need prayer or to be heard, please give us a call. We have pastors at the church that are ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays. Call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe you're going through something right now, and the book of Job is really speaking to your heart. And, you know, you could just use some prayer right now. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. If you're at home and 
you know, one of the greatest things we can do is pray and seek our God. And I want to pray right now, Father, for those who are going through hard times, those who find themselves in a Job-like situation. Their world has fallen apart. They, they have a lot of question marks in their heart. Would you minister peace and hope to them? The hope of the gospel, the hope of the, the Christ who defeated our greatest enemies, suffered for us, died in our place, rose to defeat death. Would you anchor us in that hope? And I just pray that you administer peace to that person right now who's listening and they don't know where they're going to turn next. Would you minister to them and give, just provide them supernatural peace and a refuge that they can run to in you? Amen. Hey, if you need uh, someone to talk to, and uh, you're going through something, 844-48-TRUTH is a number you can call. We have pastors here Tuesday through Friday during normal business hours, Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. You can also send us prayer requests at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you to all of our partners who are supporting us. We so appreciate what God's doing with this program. And we pray that the Lord will continue to minister to you and through you in Jesus name. Have a great day. And just one more reminder that walk in truth is a listener supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you. We're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. If you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 3 about Job's darkness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.